welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. So we are in the second week of our series, Empowered, because... Uh, we really want to be a Holy Spirit-led community. And so the title of this week is um, Empowered to Hear God's Voice. We're the church, we are the people of God, and we're meant to not only represent Jesus on the earth today, but we are meant to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so we would say that the most important thing about being a follower of Jesus is learning to hear his voice, learning to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. Because it's really hard to be empowered to go out and do all the things of the kingdom if we don't know how to listen to the Holy Spirit telling us what to do. So today, I'm going to be looking at a passage in Acts 16 and seeing how the Holy Spirit led the Apostle Paul and his friends. So we're going to come to that in a little bit. Hearing God's voice really is at the heart of a life of faith, and it was the central prayer uh, in Judaism. So if you look right back to almost the beginning of the Bible, you go back to Deuteronomy, and you see God saying, hear, O Israel, listen to me. He was speaking into a culture where many, many different gods were worshipped, and God speaks directly to his people, Israel, and he says, there's only one God, listen to me. And over and over in the scriptures, we see that God's heart for his people is that we would hear his voice. You'd see it again and again in the Psalms. Psalm 81, hear my people, if you would but listen to me, O Israel. But my people wouldn't listen to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts. Hearing God is really, really important, and it's his desire that we should do that. And then Jesus talks about it again and again. In John 10, Jesus has this wonderful moment with his disciples where he describes himself as the good shepherd. And he describes his relationship with the disciples, God's relationship with us, like that of a good shepherd and his sheep. And over and over again in that chapter, Jesus talks about hearing God's voice. And it really is the key question of discipleship. So if you want to help somebody grow as a follower of Jesus, or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus yourself, there are two really good questions that you can start with. So the first question would be, what has God been saying to you recently? I use it a lot. I'm trained as a coach, and I use it a lot when I'm coaching other church leaders. What's God been saying to you recently? And the second question comes in straight on the back of that and says, so what are you going to do about that then? It's not, about, it's not enough to just hear what God's saying. We've got to do something with it. Our dear friend Steve Nicholson used to say, used to say this, the heart and soul of the Christian life is, is learning to hear God's voice and then developing the courage to do what he tells you to do. This is meant to be a relationship. It's not about concepts and principles. It's about a relationship with God where he's speaking and we're hearing him and we're doing something about it. And I don't think there's anything more relevant in our lives than hearing his voice. So you might be starting out. You might be just leaving education and making big decisions like, where should I settle down to live? What should I choose as a career? Who should I live with? How do I decide my priorities? What should I do with my money? How do I handle my time? And these kinds of questions shape our entire life. I want to know what God thinks about that. And it's not just early on in life, but it's as we go through. Have you ever tried raising kids? Or further on, friendships, career decisions, retirement. What do I do next with my time? 
God wants to guide us through any and every life stage. And I want to hear God's voice on all of those things. And I'm sure that you do too. So today, let's look at this um, chapter in Acts 16. I'm looking at verses 1 to 10. Um, and it's a little bit too long for the slides. So I'm going to read it. Or if you've got a um, gadget and app on your phone, you can follow along. So it's Acts 16, verses 1 to 10. And we'll see how the Holy Spirit guided Paul and the disciples. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here's my big question. If God is speaking, do you want to hear him? If God is speaking, do you want to hear him? That's a legitimate question. Do you really want to know what he has to say? Now, you might say, no, I don't. Thanks for asking. I don't. And I get that. I get the fear that can come behind that no. You might be afraid of what God might ask you to do or to tell you. It might be just going just fine for you at the moment. You might not want to disturb anything. You might not want to put yourself in a position where you might have to change things. The implications of listening to God's voice might be just too big for you at the moment. But I don't think there's anything more vital than hearing God's voice. So perhaps this morning, as I speak, as as we worship, that no might turn into a tentative yes. Or you might say, Yeah, I do want to hear his voice. How does that work? How do I develop a willingness and an ability to listen to him and hear his voice? Well, I think we see some really great pointers in this story. So five points. Number one, be willing to listen to God about current issues of obedience. We see this in verses one to three. God really wants to speak to us about current issues in our lives where we're meant to be obedient to him. So at the start of this passage in verses one to three, we see Timothy's mother, her name was Eunice. She was Jewish and at some point she'd become a believer and she'd married a Greek man. Now about eight times in the Old Testament, God is really clear about not marrying outside of Judaism. A Jew was not meant to marry a Greek. And in the New Testament, it's really clear that the ideal is to share your life with somebody who shares your faith. Now, we do also know that Eunice knew her Bible because it says that she'd taught the Bible to her son Timothy since he was little. So at some point during her life, she absolutely knew what God wanted, but she went, no, that's not for me. I am going to do my own thing because I know better. I'm going to do it my own way. And here's the deal. 
I think a lot of us do that sometimes in our lives. Lots of times we might read something in the Bible and we think, yeah, I know God said that, but that was like how many years ago? I think I know what I could be doing about this. And our first parents, Adam and Eve in the garden, did the very same thing. God said, you are free to enjoy everything that I've created. Enjoy all this stuff. Give names to the animals. Bring some order around here. And there's just one tree that I want you to stay away from. Just one. And what did they do? They ate from that tree. What happened to them, and I think probably what happens to you and I sometimes, is this snake-like suspicion kind of enters in and we begin to wonder, is God withholding something really good from me? I wonder if the one thing that God told me not to do might be the best thing that there is and he just doesn't want me to have any fun. And so we go our own way and we go, thanks God, I'll take it from here. And we do what we want. And we create lots of mess, frankly. We want to do our own thing. We think we know better than, better than God for how this is supposed to work. And we have to face up to it sometimes. So to change that, I think we have to come to a commitment of faith that even God's most restrictive commands, even the ones we look at and we go, that can't be good for me, are actually designed for our good because God is good and his will for our lives is good, even if we don't actually get it at the time. So if we want to hear God's voice, here's a great question to think about. Am I giving God full obedience right now? Right now, is there anything in my life that God might be putting his finger on? Because what I've discovered in the last 40-something years of following Jesus is that if I do want to hear his voice, I need to turn around from those things that he's putting his finger on and turn towards him. Because I can't have a relationship with someone where I utterly ignore what they care about over here, but I ask them to speak to me about something that I really care about over here, because relationships don't work that way. So if we're asking God to reveal his heart and his mind to us, to speak to us, to guide us, to bless us in some area of our life, we have to be willing to give him obedience in our lives. So what might he be saying to you? Is it about forgiveness? or trust, or money, or gossip, or gratitude? Is it about relationship? Is it about your attitude to something or to somebody? What is it for you? Are you listening to God for what he's saying in your life right now? We have to be willing to God, willing to listen to God, to do what he says and put it right. I loved how Cap and Joe put it last week. They said, Jesus's love language is obedience. And they looked at John chapter 14, where Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And then it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. And this is one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit to remind us how Jesus wants us to live. And he points things out to us really graciously and really gently. He doesn't rub our nose in it, but he just comes with love and he goes, shoulder tap. Hey, Rosie, that might not be the best. Remember that thing that you said? That wasn't the kindest way you could have said it. Maybe you need to go and chat to that person. Or maybe that attitude that you're showing, that's not the best that you can be. And he does it really graciously and just shows us how we can move closer to Jesus. So it's a really big one. We need to be open to let the Holy Spirit speak to us and call us to that obedience. Secondly, people hear from God when they take time to listen to him. 
verse 6. I'm going to give you a little geography lesson. Paul and, his, and the disciples are traveling through what we would know as the modern nation of Turkey. He wants to go southwest because his aim is to get to Ephesus, which is the largest city in the area, because he thinks they're going to have the most impact and speak to the most people there. And that seems like the obvious choice. But somehow, in verse 6, it says the Holy Spirit is preventing them from going. It doesn't tell us the details of exactly how. It could have been a number of things, maybe a prophetic word, a deep inner impression, one of those God-inspired hunches. We don't know. But what we do know is that Paul knew it was God speaking. So he was like, okay, we can't go there. Let's set our sights on the next biggest city. So he decides to go to Bithynia. And then it says they tried to enter that city, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Paul must have been making time in his life to actually listen to God. And then in verse 9, you see he had a vision about where to go next, which cities to travel to. Paul was setting aside the time to listen, and God is infinitely creative in the way that he speaks. But here's the rub for us. Sometimes our lives are so full that we don't make time to listen to God because everywhere we, everywhere we turn, there's a screen, isn't there? We have communication coming in. There's a thousand apps that we can use on our phones to talk to people. It's like constant bombardment. We never make time to listen. It would be like me arriving here on a Sunday morning and me going up to Jeff and saying, hey, Jeff, how's your week been? And then walking straight off and not waiting to listen to him. Or it's like we sometimes sit down and we go, okay, God, I really want you to speak to me. Okay, that's long enough. What's going on on Facebook? We just do. We have to make time to listen. Maybe start with five minutes a day. And then in that time, it's really important that we don't start to pray and then do all the talking. Because in a relationship, it is really good to do some talking, but it's actually more important to do some listening. So how do we do it? Like In that five or ten minutes a day when, when, when we start, how do we actually listen to God? Well, some of the things that people have done for centuries are journaling, fasting, and getting time quiet and alone. So journaling, just really briefly. This is my current journal. It's small enough to fit in my handbag so I can take it with me wherever I go. And it's full of thoughts and prayers and things that I've picked up along the way and little cards and little things that I've printed out. And there used to be a time when I put stickers to make it pretty in little doodles. You need to find your own way to do this, but you could start talking to Jesus by writing it down and waiting to listen to what he says and writing that down too. Um, a friend of mine uses a yesterday, today and tomorrow um, format for their journaling. So yesterday, God, where did I sense you with me? Are there people that I need to apologize from yesterday? Did there anybody that I ignored yesterday? Is there anything you want to bring to mind about yesterday? And then think about today. God, what's coming up? What's my response to what's coming up? What am I going to have to face today? Am I feeling anxiety or expectancy or excitement? What do you want to say about that, Lord? And tomorrow, Lord, what do you want to say, about, say to me about tomorrow? What are the appointments that I've got coming up? And praying for those, this is what I always do. I pray for the appointments that are coming up today or tomorrow. Pray for the people I'm going to be meeting. Pray for the people I'm having coffee with. Pray for our staff team. Whatever's coming up, offering it to God and asking him to speak. And he loves us so much that he'll speak to us about things coming up and things that are going on and things that are happening with the people that we're going to meet with.
There are also some really good resources. Grab a copy of our Big Three book. There's an author called Ruth Haley Barton. I love her work. She's written a book on silence and solitude and sacred rhythms. Or John Ortberg's book on soul keeping. They're just full of resources, different ways to connect with what's God, with what God's doing. Or you might want to try fasting. You might want to try skipping social media or TV or food. The fasting that's mentioned most often in the scriptures is fasting from food. Now, actually, most of us probably, if we're really honest, would rather fast from social media than from food because we love food. I love food. Hunger pops up, though, when we fast from food, like an internal alarm clock reminding us that we're hungry and that we want to hear from God. And if you've never tried fasting, a really good way to start is don't, do, don't wake up in the morning having fasted all night and think, right, I'm going to skip breakfast, lunch and dinner. Have a normal breakfast, have a normal lunch and then start fasting. So you can miss dinner, you can miss your midnight snack, you can miss breakfast. And then every time you feel a little bit hungry, you say, Lord, I want to hear from you. And we found that for people starting out fasting, going from after lunch one day to before lunch the next day is just a really good way to start. Here's another illustration for silence and solitude. Just for a moment, lay your left hand or your left arm, palm up on your lap, if you will. I can't really demonstrate to this. Can, you, can one of you come and hold this microphone? Because then I can demonstrate what I want you to do. Thank you. Can you I need you to be a micro, microphone stand. Up higher. Thank you. Okay, so thank you, Becky. Lay your, your left hand down and then with a couple of fingers of your right hand, Put it on where your pulse would be. Can you feel your heart beating? I hope you can, because if you can't, that's a worrying thing. I hope that you can all feel your heartbeat. Now listen how quiet we are. Listen how still. Thanks, Becky. That's how we hear the heartbeat of God. That's how we hear his voice. In order to feel our own heartbeat, we have to completely quiet ourselves. And that's how we hear God's heartbeat too, in, in silence, in stillness. It enables us to tune in again to the rhythm of God's love and his life in us. And in that place that we can learn to hear his voice. But the quiet is essential. So think about your own listening this week. Maybe what helps you to listen? What helps you to dial down the background noise and remove the mental distraction and really concentrate on listening to God? See if you can come out, carve out some time this week to do that. And you might just find that as you spend time doing that, as you spend time alone with him, the hunger to do that will grow. There's a wonderful author and theologian called Henry Nouwen, and he says this, every time you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you the beloved, you will discover within yourself a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. It's like discovering a well in the desert. Once you have touched wet ground, you want to dig deeper. So you might want to give that a go. Number three, People hear from God as they first get to know what God sounds like. 
How did Paul know that it was the Holy Spirit keeping him from going to Ephesus and not just life circumstances getting in the way? Sometimes I hear people say, I'm experiencing a closed door right now, but I know it's God speaking and I'm just going to bust right through it. How do they know it's not God keeping them from going through that door? I think the answer, for Paul at least, is that Paul knew what God's voice would sound like because he was so acquainted with God that he knew his voice for sure. So here's an example. Andrew and I met when we were 21 and now we're 51. We have been together for 30 years and we know what each other's voice sounds like. We know how we think. Andrew doesn't even need to speak sometimes to communicate. I know the look. And some parents, you've got a look that you, you look at your children and they know that they need to stop doing what they're doing with a look. I know the tone in Andrew's voice. Or I've known my best friend, Kathy, for many, many years. We met when we were 11. We've known each other for 40 years. I know her. I know if someone comes to me and says, Kathy says this, I know if she did or if she didn't. Because I know what she would say. And I think that Paul felt exactly the same way about Jesus. He knew the kinds of things that God would say to him. So in verse 6, it says the Holy Spirit kept them from preaching. And in verse 7, it says the Spirit of God wouldn't allow them to go in. It's the same voice. Father God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're all communicating the same things. So if somebody comes to us um, in the church and they, with some strange prophecy, we know God's voice well enough that we can discern whether it's him or not. God's not going to appeal to our pride or our materialism. It's unlikely that God is leading you to a seminar where you can make a million pounds in 24 hours. That's not God. He doesn't generally do that. He doesn't generally speak to pastors about getting jets and fast cars. He doesn't generally appeal to our selfish ambition. He doesn't say, this is the only church I like. He doesn't say that stuff. He speaks truth full of grace. And his voice is always consistent with his written word, the Bible. And the other thing that we see with Paul and his companions is that they discerned in community what God was doing. I love the end of this passage. In verse 10, it's the first time that we see in the book of Acts, Luke's voice. Um, So Luke was traveling with the disciples and Luke wrote the book of Acts. But you see this transition. It goes from here's what they were doing to here's what we did. So Luke has become part of the team. And at the very end, verse 10, he says, we got ready at once to leave, concluding that God had called us. So if you want to get to know God's voice, spend lots of time reading your Bible, but be connected, stay connected, because in community, we discern together. So if Andrew and I feel like God's saying something to us or leading us to do something, we'll share it open-handedly and discern together in our family or in the staff team or with our wider leaders. Because if what we're sensing is God, then he's big enough to speak to everybody about it. So it's really helpful if you've got a big decision to make, to share it with the people that it's going to affect Or just share it with people that you trust and are close to you and are following Jesus. Involve them, not inform them. It's a really helpful way to make sure that we're making decisions that are following Jesus. And I have real confidence, deep confidence, that God can speak in a way that people will hear. 
It's not about how well the other people are listening because God really, if God really wants to do something, he's going to be very good at doing it. In the Bible, he spoke through a donkey and we see him speaking to all kinds of different people in all kinds of different ways. He says really clearly, my sheep know, more, know my voice. And I think that God is super committed. If he wants to get something done or he wants a decision to be made, he speaks to the right people and he confirms it. At the start of this year, we were sent a really lovely video, which I'm just going to show you. It's just 30 seconds long. From um, We have a student who comes to our city centre site, I think, called Matt. And he grew up on a farm. And Matt's dad sent us this video of the farm where they, where they, grew, where they live and a little lamb called Zach, who has learnt the voice of the farmer. So let me show you this video. Come on, Zach. Come on. Zach. Here. Watch his ears. Come on, Zach. You coming? Hey Zach, hey Zach, come on, come on. Little Zach follows wherever Matt's dad calls him to, to go. And the really interesting thing is that when Matt went home at Christmas, he tried to call Zach and Zach wouldn't follow. He didn't recognize Matt's voice. And I think that's what it is with us. We're like that little lamb. We know the voice of the person that's calling us, or we can learn to hear it. Number four, have confidence that God is committed to speak to you. I love all the creative ways that God speaks to Paul in this passage. There are at least four different ways. Somehow God restrains him in verse six. Then Paul has perhaps a vision of Jesus in verse seven. Then there's a vision of a man from Macedonia in verse nine. And in verse 10 is discernment together with his companions. And this is liberating. We can have confidence that if we're asking God to speak to us, we're not going to miss it. Because most of the time he is way more committed to speaking to us than often we are to listening to him. And the reason that I have confidence that I'm not going to miss God's will for my life is not because I'm so good at finding it, because he's so good at revealing himself. And the reason that Andrew and I can stand up in church and Jeff and Becky and our other staff team, the reason we can stand up and lead in this church is not because we're such amazing leaders, but because God is an amazing leader. And in prayer and in reflection and discussion and discernment with our team, he speaks to us about what to do and what not to do. So if you really want to know what God's saying, he will show you if you stay in the scriptures and if you stick with other people who are following God. And the reason that we can be confident is because he's leading us like a shepherd. He doesn't run on ahead of the sheep. He leads gently, making sure the sheep know where to go. No shepherd wears camouflage and expects the sheep to hunt around to try and find them. God is a good shepherd. He's going to defend his flock and protect us from going the wrong way. And lastly, we can have confidence that we're hearing from God, even if we're currently experiencing some difficulty. You might feel like God's leading you someplace and then it gets tough and you wonder, did I hear God's voice? Because somehow I think we, we sometimes assume that just because we're trying to follow God, we shouldn't have any trouble or any difficulty or any problems. But I'm afraid, guys, that's not in the Bible. 
<laughs> the Bible it says, in this world, you will have trouble. Think about Paul. So God has said, don't go to Ephesus yet. Don't go, don't go to Bithynia, but go in this direction. And God leads them to Philippi. And Paul starts to preach. You might remember the story. He starts to preach, and then there's this girl who can foretell the future, and it gets all very disruptive. So Paul casts the demon out of the girl, and then her owners are cross because they can't make any money anymore. And Paul gets arrested, and he gets chucked into prison and beaten and stripped. I mean, poor guy. And Paul might have been thinking, honestly, did we hear wrong? Was this Jesus who led us to this place? He would have been, you could forgive him for wondering if they heard wrong. But no, it was obviously God because there ended up being this amazing church planted in Philippi. And it's how Paul stayed strong. Even when he was in jail, he was utterly convinced. He knew that he had heard the voice of God and God was leading him to that place. Here's the deal. Don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. If you're walking in the light, if you're trying to follow God and you're staying close and you're making decisions in community and all of a sudden it just gets hard, that's normal. Life isn't supposed to be just about our comfort, much as we would like it to be. We're following a man who gave himself to death on a cross so that we could have a relationship with his father. That's the guy we're following. So to bring this into land, I would love you to, I'd love to invite you to commit yourself again to hearing God's voice. Even if we're already committed to hearing God's voice, we can, we can listen closer. We can spend a little bit more time. For some of us, that might mean that there are issues of obedience that God wants to put his finger on. Some of us might need to start with five minutes a day. Some of us might need to start from the very beginning and learn what God's voice sounds like. And for some of us who've been trying to follow Jesus and life has got difficult, we want to be able to pray for you and pray for God's strength and God's conviction to come and carry you through. So we're going to uh, transition now into a time of worship. And I would love to invite you to use this time to listen. I think they're going to be, we're doing quite gentle songs. So listen for the voice of God. And then after we've worshipped this little bit, then we would love to do what we love to do in the vineyard. And we would love to pray together and for one another. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.